Welcome to Sunday Chats 969, the podcast where you can listen back to interviews that were first broadcast on All FM 96.9. We are an award-winning community radio station based in Manchester. And on today's show, we are welcoming back the lovely Karen Honor to chat to us about her sixth book, her latest poetry collection, Just Take Five. So all that's coming up for you. First up, we're going to have Karen, as I've said, and we first spoke to Karen way back in the November of 2020, because obviously November is a National Novel Writing Month. So she came in to tell us about her novel that she was writing. She came back later on for International Women's Day. And we've also featured Karen on a number of our compilation poetry shows. So delighted to be speaking to Karen again. And we are going to start off with one of Karen's favourites and its true colours. Enjoy. See 
hope wasn't there even in the darkest corners and through the coldest nights an inner flame stirs from persistent yearning embers embers that stir her to notch another day upon the rock for though the days were long the nights were longer stretching out time to amplify the slightest of sounds a snapped twig a squawk or distant rumbling shape-shifting in her mind from friend to foe. She had always struggled with the dragons of her bedtime stories. Long after the heroes had sent them on their way, they circled rings around her dreams, swooping in and out, marking her vulnerability. Alone on her ledge, she was indeed vulnerable. A shaft of amber light pulled at her feet. Would these feet ever dance in the sunlight again? She closed her eyes and pictured a dance, a fire crackling, voices laughing. The image drew her closer and a song set sail from her lips. Hi, Karen. Welcome to All FM. Thanks for joining us today. It's great to be here. <laughs> oh, it's really good to have you back on the show. We, we've had you on the show a couple of times now, and I feel like uh, November is your month because the first time that we had you on, kind of in between lockdowns, that, that was uh, in November as well. But you have released uh, a number of fantastic books since then, haven't you? Um, well, I've, this, the book I'm going to talk about today is, I think, is my fourth poetry collection, but I've also... The first book I, I released was a sort of memoir style called Finding My Way, which was all about um, just looking at life from a midlife perspective. And um, and I also wrote my uh, novella. So, yeah, I think this is the sixth book now altogether. <laughs> yes, I, and we have you on the show today to talk about the latest of your poetry collections, which is Take Five. Now, one of the things that I love about this title is it, it does have multiple meanings, doesn't it? From you yeah. writing for five years and lots of other little... It's, it's contained into five sections, isn't it? Yeah, so it's called Just Take Five. And um, it was because when I started the year um, after Christmas, um, I'd kind of... I'd had a little bit of a lull in writing from writing the previous book, and I thought, I'm going to start the new year, you know, resolutions and everything that mm. people do. Um, I thought, I'm going to just try and write something every day. So I started off in January managing to write some kind of poem or some something every day. M lasted maybe into about the first week of February. Okay. But by then, obviously, then I'd, I've had a fair amount of that that was okay stuff and I thought oh, I'd, I'd, I'd maybe like to kind of have um, a poetry collection that was a bit more substantial than the previous ones some previous ones have tended to be chapbook size right um, the so one that you did one, before this that that was the poetry and, and petals collection wasn't it 
Polaroids and Petals, oh, yeah. Oh, Polaroids and Petals, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that, that was the one that... See, I, I love the way when you write something, you kind of... It's not just a book for a shelf, because I remember that one of the things that you did with that one was you actually got it into um, a couple of schools. You got some school kids actually reading your poetry as well. So, so that was... You did quite well with, with that book, yeah. Yeah, there's been... Um there's a friend I've got called that I've made via Twitter called Jim, and he's he works he does lots of work in the community. So he's been reading some of my poetry at chatty cafe meetings that were virtual, but I think they've now gone back into real life. Um, and also he's got connections with a with a local high school, and he he took a cup that one and my click and connect book into the high school. Um, just to share some poetry and found there were quite a few poems in there that were making connections with the youngsters, particularly, I think, from the lockdown experiences and some of the mental health issues that have perhaps affected a lot of people. But the poetry is, I think sometimes words in a poem can unlock an emotion that perhaps is more difficult when you're just having a regular conversation. Yes, yeah, because it's it's a nice way actually to create a, a conversation just through what was expressed in in the poem and then it's like that really resonates with me so and that's one of the things you're really good at creating these um deep conversations really the things that people shy away from we've we've often kind of discussed that with your work yeah well there's one poem in this collection that um Jim sent me a little video of him sharing recently in the high school oh, wow. and, and said to me that um, it really sort of it sparked conversations with the pupils there and um, it's a poem that it's called um, The Girl with the Candy Striped Hair. Oh yeah, I liked that poem, I really did, yeah. And I wrote it about, it was about my daughter, so... Um, in, during the first lockdown, we actually um, she had an assessment for autism, and um, so since her diagnosis, she's kind of been on this journey of there was a reason for how she felt certain ways, and um, I think the poem came out of where she was prior to that. The girl with the candy striped hair. She retreats to her room to paint pictures the girl with the candy-striped hair, to enter the worlds of her brushstrokes, worlds she is too shy to share. Surrounded by brushes and pencils, her comfort from struggles unseen, the layers of care on the canvas cover up where she has been. She feels she has little to offer to the world of confusion outside, and she doesn't believe she could blossom such thoughts she keeps close and denied. For outside her window there's danger, with just a few steps she could fall. Instead, she makes beautiful pictures to hang out of sight on her wall. The sunflowers and smiles that she puts on, like character costumes to wear, disguise her true warmth and real beauty. The girl with the candy-striped hair. Her world, and it's it's it was quite emotional for me to get feedback from a reader to say that what I what I had written that was an expression of like if only she could see what she's capable of doing, mm. and 
other other young girls were kind of saying, oh, you know, they maybe they not recognise elements of themselves within that. Yeah. Uh, so it's. I don't know. I think it's like music as well, isn't it? Poetry it sort of opens doors to tricky conversations or oh yeah, express emotions that maybe you wouldn't otherwise. And a poem can end up being very memorable as well, can't it? Just the way music can. You know, you always remember that first poem that you really connected with, especially due to the fact that many people think that poetry is, you know, inaccessible. It's not something that they would be into. Uh, and obviously they, they don't realise that there's many different types of poetry and different topics to explore. Yeah, a friend of mine was saying that she really didn't think she was into poetry and then she obviously, she got my book just because it was me and she knew me and yeah. she read it. And then she was like, oh, you know, she'd really been quite touched by it. So now she's kind of just like, oh, actually poetry maybe is my thing. It was just about perhaps how it was taught at school. Um, yeah. I think sometimes poetry at school is very sort of, ticking boxes that they have to study a poem and see what elements have been used and and not not necessarily really kind of just enjoying a poem for the sake of it mm. um so yeah it's been quite interesting really <laughs> it would be lovely though if if one day what happens is people end up studying your work for, for their a level or gcse or <laughs> something you know that that could be a thing um the things that were written during the lockdown era you know when it goes like yeah. a little bit further along um and that would be amazing seeing as you, you do seem to connect with different generations and i know that was something that you were kind of trying to do as well because the, even the um the novel that that you wrote on unraveling was about three generations of of females so it's nice that you know you're actually creating uh, that kind of element of different generations you know in in your actual real world writing as well mm. i just think um there's we're, we're told more more or less on a daily basis about the things that are different between us and actually there's much more that's common and you sort of it it was interesting writing the unraveling book to think of how things would, would be would be different about life experiences of those the sort of the grandmother and the granddaughter but also how they're connected and the things that would still remain constant so it's just it's just interesting in this kind of world of a narrative trying to force division that that there's um things we should be looking at that that are the strengths of a community i mean what compassion where has the compassion gone did kindness take a train from a deserted platform drenched in pouring rain Intolerance is seeping through a damp, infested wall, one built with bricks of hatred to keep our outlook small. Division seeks to damage, makes self the driving aim, dismisses commonality, instead finds who to blame. The superficial gestures, we nod, but then move on to the latest source of outrage, as all nuance has now gone. Is it brave to call for kindness, dare to stand out from the crowd, to ignore the latest scapegoat, to be quietly, calmly proud? For I want to stop the whirlwind, the media carousel, get everyone to listen, start to make a world that's well. 
Take a small step on a pathway, clear of dark, invading greed, where we just might find compassion has had a chance to seed. One of the sections of the, this poetry book, it's called A Story Shared, and it's about looking at um, looking at what we share together and, um, yeah, the, the community aspect, really. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's a conversation that I love to have because we are a, a community-based um, radio, but I, I do like the fact that we can also connect with people f further afield on the national level, um, like yourself, and, you know, we can say, oh, it's not just about being in Manchester or it's not being from being here. There are certain things that we all share in common um, it, no matter where we are. And obviously that the lockdown phase of time, was very much about stopping to, to think back on, on memories, which is something that you capture very well through your poems, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think what, what whichever book you're looking at, whether it's the memoir, the story, the, the novel or, or the poetry, there's definitely like a nostalgic uh, thread running through them. Um, but, and I think, when when you look back, particularly in lockdown, because you you had to kind of stand still, mm. really, yeah. for a lot of people experience anyway. Um, <laughs> you tend to look back on things and have that kind of view that it was all wonderful then. But <laughs> yeah. um, it, I think it just allows you to perhaps reflect on where you are now as well and what, what you'd like to move forward to. Yeah. Um, but were you always a writer? I mean, I, I found that lots of people actually begun their, their writing journey because it was always something that they had put off till they had that time for, uh, you know, like you're saying, to take five minutes or, or, or whatever and, and take a break. But was it always your intention? Because you were initially um, a teacher, weren't you? Was it primary or secondary? Yeah, I taught in primary. I've been in pri involved in primary education for about 27 years. Oh, wow. That's long. Uh, primary classrooms and then towards the end of my career, um, a special needs coordinator. Um, but all through that, I did... I did write the odd poem that I would just, like, keep in a drawer or on the computer. Oh. And I've written quite a few uh, plays and scripts because I used to be in charge of the drama at my, the last school I was at. Oh, so wow. I wrote scripts for the children or my drama group that I run in the local community. I'd write the scripts for our annual pantomimes and, and things. So it's, it's always been something that I do, but I kind of just thought of, oh, that's just something to do on the sideline. And all the time I was teaching, I, I had this thing in my head of like, oh, if, if I could just win the lottery and go and sit by the sea somewhere, oh, wow. I'd write stories and poems and I would write a book. And, and so when kind of circumstances meant that I moved away from being um, in the classroom, I just thought, well, I'm just going to give pay some attention to this writing thing and just see what happens. I didn't really intend to, uh, you know, get as far as publishing books, but um, I just thought I'd see if I had that story in me to write. So... 
yeah <laughs> well, that's, that's amazing you know and i think that there's no better reason than to write for yourself in fact that's actually one of the the primary pieces of writing advice isn't it always write for yourself and and for other people secondary but you know to go from th that intention just to explore what you could write and to end up creating such an impact um in the lives of others through online communities physical communities I, I really enjoy what you've done there and I, and I also think that you have in a sneaky way gone from teaching children to teaching adults more about <laughs> writing <laughs> so you never expected to, to do that did you <laughs> that's quite funny <laughs> but it is when you think about it you know like just what you were saying there about you got that that lady that was thinking that she wasn't interested in poetry and then next thing you know you, you've given her the um the, the creative writing bug in, in a little yeah. way yeah I, I guess it's i mean what what you say about um you know writing just for myself and then it becoming wider than that mm. i mean i it's noticeable when people are fed back to me say like which poems out of this collection that they've really enjoyed it's it, the ones that touch a nerve are the ones that definitely come from something that maybe I was upset about at the time that I wrote into a poem or uh, something that I was really, you know, it's, they say write what you know, don't they? Yes. I think it's obvious when you read something, there is an element that comes across um, that, that uh, is more obvious um, to the reader that, it's a true expression you're not just writing something for the sake of it so yeah yeah i think people always resonate with something that has been written for, from the heart and you can really feel the emotion in it and and i remember when i was like about nine years old and i first like wrote a a poem for myself it was about something that really angered me at the time and i just felt such a release when i put it into that poem and I read that to people instead of having a big conversation about what was bothering me. And it was all there in, in the poem. And that was when I first really discovered the kind of um, magic of if you can write something for yourself. But, but I'm, I'm just wondering, I remember in that case, it just all came to me kind of in I thought I'd put it into a poem. But do you have to spend a lot of time actually crafting your work? This is going to be about this and this is going to be a poem about that. I suppose it depends what I'm, um, well, there's 50 poems in this book. Some of them were, I was just in a moment and I had phrases dancing around my head, so I needed to go and write them in my notebook. And then obviously what gets written down first into the notebook isn't the end result of what goes into a final book you edit it and all the rest of it but mm. um so some some of them are very much a reaction at the time which is probably like you're saying your in your case was um mm. other ones that, that there's one um that i wrote called hidden which is kind of um looking at me from where i am in midlife and comparing it to where i was when i was a child and growing up and in that one that initially was i i'd seen a poetry competition and i was thinking oh what could i write that um as a possible entry for a poetry competition so i i sort of that one was a bit more i'd like to try to express this i'm not quite sure how to do it and then gradually 
draft in a poem that then I sort of shared with a few writer friends and edited down and so that was a different process entirely because quite a few of mine end up sort of start off my, my best poems I think are either an immediate reaction to being out in nature and seeing something and thinking oh that looks like it will conjure up a phrase in my head mm. or often trying to uh, go off to sleep at night and something will start to percolate. Yeah. Invisible by Karen Honor. My tattoos are not inked into my skin, yet there they remain just the same, if you know where to look. To me, each bump and blemish is a reminder to cherish, marking both the best and the worst of times, but telling the story of me. The stretch marks unfaded, mapping out motherhood, along with the emergency C-section scar, a story of survival, a tribute to care. One look at my hand and I see both youth and age reflected. The permanent bump of my fountain pen finger taking my thoughts back to school days, while alongside age spots creep and drying skin holds peaks in a pinch. Wrinkles on my face carry worries, weaving between dark circles under my eyes, where tear tracks betray the silent cries and hint at nights lain awake, while others focus on the freckles and the smile I sometimes fake. If I were brave enough, I'd get a seahorse tattoo, a symbol of the soul I'd like to be, not always seen, creative and yearning to set that free. Perhaps one day I'll be bold enough to add ink to that expression, to realise that intention, before the moment passes and I'm too old. Still, I know all that is there. The seahorse and the mermaid with flowing hair, beneath the skin, hidden within the middle-aged woman, when there's nothing to see, nothing, but everything I have done and have been, obvious to me, but maybe to you, all of it, an invisible tattoo. They're the worst ones in a way because they come to you really clearly as you're nearly asleep and then as you realise you've formulated something, it has a habit of, it's like, you know, it wakes you up because you've got to get grab a pen and write something down. I've, I've had bad experience. I mean, d does it affect you like that? Do you, do you always keep a, a, a notepad and pen by, by your bedside? No, I don't, actually have, I don't actually have that, but I have sometimes had to just jot down on my phone a couple of sentences yeah. so that I remember it in the morning and then I can do it some justice. Yeah. Because it'd be better the next day maybe than at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but some, sometimes as well it's good to just like do a little audio voice note and, you know, yes, see yeah. what, what comes from it. And it's always interesting to see how different writers actually... Um, capture those little snippets that can just like yeah. sneakily go off. I mean, I, I do like to have a notebook or something with me that I can jot things down if something occurs to me and I'm out and about. Um, and sometimes I'll specifically 
go out with the notebook and perhaps sit somewhere and think I'm just gonna just rather write down anything that happens or what what's occurring to me and sometimes it's just rubbish that stays <laughs> in, in in one of my many notebooks and sometimes it turns into something worthwhile <laughs> yeah and, and you do love your your notebooks I love a, a notebook uh, as well I always think it's interesting to look back on them you know a couple of months later and it's just like oh what what was that about you know and uh, mm. the the hope of a fresh notebook i mean you 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 mentioned that in your um poem blank page i think that's uh, at the very beginning because it, it does kind mm. of um initiate this sense of of hopefulness and and fresh starts as well doesn't it when you've got that new notebook yeah i just there's something about something about writing in a notebook as opposed to on a laptop that i, I just like the the whole feel of like the ink across the page yeah. and also when you when you have got that i mean i think it's kind of a given that birthdays and christmas my family now know to buy me a notebook <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Different covers and ones of different sorts of pages and you just look and think, Oh, you know, what could what could end up in here? What might it turn into? Oh lovely. I'm totally a stationary um oh, collector yeah. as well. <laughs> I, and the thing is as well, you know, when you've written the thing in the notebook, at least it is in a book. It's technically in a book already, isn't it? So, <laughs> so you've got that immediate sensory um yeah. perspective. But I think it's amazing that you've written so many books this is your sixth book isn't it in total yes yeah i, I don't quite know how really <laughs> well that's the best way it's like you've woke up one morning and and there it is it's, it's all that process quite hard to to get it from from the notes in a regular notebook into being an actual ebook or physical book um you mean that sort of publishing process? Yeah. Do you, do you find that tedious or do you enjoy the whole thing from start to finish? Now, now you are a bit of an expert now that you've got six <laughs> under your belt. Um, well, they're, they're all self-published and I do it via sort of templates and things um, via Amazon. But, I mean, the whole process, I feel like once I've got my book typed up, that people think that's the hard thing to write the book. Mm. But actually, then the editing it and making it fit to what's going to look right on a page once it's printed. Um, yeah, I think sometimes that's more demanding than writing the book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it probably depends on which which. But I've I've been on quite a learning curve. I've got a bit better at it. Um, with this one, it was the first time I was doing it from a Mac because I've changed from a PC to a Mac. Right. Just like the technical side of all of that was more of a challenge. I didn't really know what I was doing with that. So there were a few pitfalls, but I ordered kind of a, a draft copy to see what it actually looked like in print before it would go out and be available to public. So that meant I could then tweak things around again. And Google's my best friend to find out. Oh, that's good. Uh, <laughs> that, that's amazing. Yeah, because help along the way because. Um, Lily, Lily Lawson, um, sort of read it, the book through for me, and, and was like a external editor on it before I got as far as launching it. And Drina Collins did the um, the cover for me, which I just think is amazing. It's got a real sort of 
contemporary feel to it. And so it's sky blue, just because we're on radio, let's just let the listeners know that this is a, a sky blue covering, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of reminiscent of the sky, maybe a little bit of the sea, because it's kind of oh, graduated yeah. the colours of the blue. And then there's some sort of birds that are flying in the top. It's got that real feeling of being allowed to escape yeah. uh, mentally. I think that whole that whole just take five phrase. Um, there's many times in life when you just feel like you want to just stand in a corner and count to five and hope it's all going to oh, be yeah. Or Christmas just, being one of them. <laughs> yes, probably. And breathe. Between the raindrops, a little sun, a breath of air, reboot begun. A space to pause, with sky to see. Between the raindrops, to simply be. Um, and just that you need to, like, take a bit of moment for yourself, take a deep breath, just, you know, look around, be in the moment. All of those themes, I feel, are in the book. That um, It's about, you know, you, you don't need to sit and wade through every poem. You can dip in and out of the pages and find a poem that maybe you want to revisit again that helps you calm at a certain point. So I think that's reflected in the cover. It's got that high. I, there's something for me about standing where you can see an expanse of blue sky or standing by the sea and just seeing the horizon yes. that instantly calms me down. <laughs> yeah. I, when I looked at the cover, I thought that's like this instant breath of fresh air. It's like, oh, if, if that's what the cover is doing, I need to take a peek inside bit this um, straight away. And I know that you've had some wonderful uh, reviews on this already and I think that's one of the things that your readers are already saying you know this is a perfect book to to, to dip into it and you know just just pick a, a certain poem see which one I'm getting yeah. for, for, for the day and there again that's very much like um, a little five minute meditation isn't it yeah, I mean, I know there's a, there's a lot of uh, merchandise out there, isn't there? That sort of like little book of calm or time, yeah. taking time to calm yourself. All those things, I, yeah. I think um, a poetry book can often do that. It's it's just taking your all the immediate reality thoughts and putting them to one side for a moment, just to to read something and 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 yeah i mean i, I suppose it's it's just um an, another way of helping mental health if that if that appeals to an individual i think it appeals to everyone um now more, more than ever actually karen and i have heard of this um term prescriptive poetry you know where a, a poem can be one of the best prescriptions you know i, I know i've mm -hmm. got my go-to poems like um, this old one. I'm not sure who wrote it, but it's one called Don't Quit. Don't know if you've ever mm. heard of that one. Um, mm. And it's nice to, to get more modern takes on, on things now because, you know, obviously we've all been through this particular time. We're all looking over our, our memories. But I felt that this may be um, a poetry collection that you've done that's a, a bit like a, an autobiography, only in, in poetic form. So I was wondering, was that anything that, that you 
thought it intentionally about this because it, you know, it does feel like we're, we're um, exploring different aspects of your life at different times. With the yeah, I, I, I think that was hinted at a bit in one of the reviews that I had recently that it's sort of, if, if you want to get to know me, kind of re read this collection because um, I did feel as I started to, well, it, I mean, I talked to, at the beginning today about how this began as a sort of exercise of let's write a poem a day. But as I was doing that and I kind of decided to make a, a, a larger collection of poetry, that's when it sort of struck me that, oh, actually, this is the fifth year that I've been really focusing on you know, telling the world I am a writer. Yeah. Um, how does it feel? Are, are you comfortable with that? now i am right you should be you should be <laughs> i still find it strange um and so my usual go-to is um oh i was a teacher but i've, I've retired from teaching. right okay oh so you know obviously i have to write but um yeah I, I remember actually um on holiday this year we were in cornwall and we were just chatting to uh, i think it was uh there was a little van that um, did coffees and they were telling us that they'd kind of set it up in lockdown as something to do and however that they were getting on. Yeah. And then they asked us what we did and I actually said, oh, I'm a writer. And I walked away and I said to my husband, this is the first time I've actually just said that. Oh, <laughs> wow. And that was a beautiful place to say it as well, bear it by, by the sea, where you're unleashing your, your inner mermaid, which is something that I know you love to do as well. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so I guess when I, when I was thinking about, oh, this is the fifth year, and then I thought, actually, that's a really good hook for the whole book to be based around the number five and taking five minutes for poetry and that's why I then wanted to organize it into the five sections so mm. I was thinking about what things are important to me what things do I recognize have been coming out in my writing so like you said about the sort of nostalgia side mm. I think probably people of my age notice time passing more perhaps like when you're when you're 20 in the world's at your feet it's different to when you're in your 50s and you know that some of some things have passed you by and other stuff you're still right. really wanting to spend time doing so the, there's a, the middle section is all about um time passing and that section is called slipping through my fingers and well School bag in hand, she leaves home in the early morning, waving goodbye with an absent-minded smile. I watch her go with a search of that well-known sadness, and I have to sit down for a while.
quite yeah. That 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 song that's in the Mamma Mia film that gets me every time. Oh like yeah. Daughter's hair and that that whole sort of feel about you know you you've still got your kids but they're not the not the little people that they were. They've become their own individuals and so there's certain elements of that that are poignant but also that you're proud of what they've become. So yeah. The whole time and I think that's reflected a lot in all of my writing and as I said um, like you've mentioned the mermaid thing like nature being by the sea being for, going for walks in the woods all of that is that is something I, I think that I come back to again and again in my in my writing yeah just that calming uh, feature of being close to nature yeah, so it's very inspiring. Another... That nature is definitely very inspiring. I mean, you, your, your poem "Hidden," that that was very much. I you you mentioned it just earlier, and when I read that, I felt that it, it was you could very much get the sense of timeline with that. You know how the the vibe was changing from when you were a kid, and then you were a teenager, and then going on into that stage of wondering, is it, are you coming into invisibility, and all, all that kind of thing. I could really get. That that sense of, of timeline with, with hidden it was done, it was done in a very um in amazing way for, for three minutes and you got it all in um <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah that, was... that is that thing when you talk about nostalgia and you look back at what do you remember from your childhood it's almost as if you're watching like a cine film and those memories you the colors you yeah. know, people kind of say, like, the colours were brighter when I was younger or there was more space when I was younger. And it's all to do with, obviously, your perspective as a child, the world yeah. looks and everything else. Um, and days seemed longer, etc. I was going to say but, about the days be, being longer as well. And I don't know what it is, but when people seem to talk about the 70s, so I wasn't in the 70s, but when I look at stuff from the 70s, you think it was all a kind of a summery, hazy brown or something. I'm like, what's that about? But obviously that's something <laughs> in, in some people's perceptions. <laughs> Hidden. I lived my life in the technicolour of youth. Tangerine summers on the sand when the world was mine to own where a mermaid lair was replaced on a whim by the swelling tide, challenging my swim to Olympic heights, with dreams of floating unseen past castles and cliff tops, cast aside in a moment when seaside treats beckoned. Mum's foil-wrapped sandwiches inside our deck chair fault, a 99 ice cream dripping on the sand, or a trip to the cockle man, Vinegar tingling lips and grit in my teeth, then off to climb the steps above the waves, fearless, invincible, soaring down the helter-skelter at the end of the pier. Back home, allotment days brought worm races, stick wars, petal potion making, whilst Dad dug his patch, butterflies escaping our catch with our laughter on their wings, playing for what seemed like hours, sucking the sweetness from our berry-stained, mud-pie-weary fingers. Fast forward and the teenage beats begin, radio mixtapes and rah-rah skirt days, each new fashion a challenge to copy, tying up my spiral curls with lace, blues and pinks bold on my face, glossed lips yearning to kiss my smash-hit dreams, carrying hopes in my pocket of all I could be. Now my life resists the shades of grey. 
subtle in their fading powers at first, hidden from the paint charts, but waiting in quiet corners, in glances, in expectations, hanging in the air, unspoken. Passed over for comment, confidence crumbling inside as doors shut and I watch opportunities walking away, for the fading through the fifties is insipid, calling us to disappear from sight. Past it, deemed beyond some socially acceptable sell-by date. So, patient, in the shadows we should wait. It's not our blemished skin or the colour of our hair. We can patch that up with crimson shades. It is the superpower I wanted as a child that's now unwelcome. Invisibility. Beyond the brain fog, I want to shout, I am still here. Not quietly, slowly, fading into grey. My midlife shades have hidden depths to share. For have you ever seen the magic of the pale moonlight? Caught the kiss of a frosty morning? Or listened to the wisdom of the woods? None of these possess a rainbow's colours, nor are they played to shock or shout in stereo. Yet their echoes whisper beauty if you let them make a mark when noticed just the same. And I too have a growing power to offer, if you could but see and pause to hear my name. Oh, there was a very long hot summer of 76, yeah. I didn't remember that. Oh, maybe that was it then. I've always wondered about that, because it's just like as if people do attach the, these colourings to, to different areas of time. Yeah. Uh, I just I just think like the, the, that particular poem is kind of looking at how um, it, it's, it's sort of hinting at you, you have your memories and they look rosier maybe than they were at the time. Mm. Um, uh, and then I do feel very much that um, women in their 50s aren't supposed to be still, like, out there doing brash, colourful things. Um, and people yeah. that do you almost get a kind of like, oh, look at them, like, shouting about their <laughs> And actually, you know, we're not sort of ready to be sat down in our greys and dull. <laughs> So that's where I was kind of coming from, that like, I can still, I still have things to offer. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that you've given lots of people hope about what the whole mid-life era is like. Because when you think about it, you have kind of reinvented yourself now. That's what you did for, for your mid-life. And um, it, it's amazing. It's still, in some ways, game-changing territory, if, if that makes sense. Because it, just now we've got people like Davina McCall talking about the menopause and stuff. But that was something that you were talking about a few years ago and talking about it quite publicly as well and expressing it in, in your writing. So, so, so it, yeah. It's um, certainly like just from my um, peers chatting to different people, um, it's becoming apparent that more and more companies are actually talking about menopause or have got policies coming on board in the workplace. Um, so I do think it's better than than it used to be. And like I've said before in some of my, my other writing, I didn't, until I've hit it myself, um, we didn't learn about it at school. I know that that's changing now, but they oh. will be learning about menopause in schools. I just thought you stopped having a period, you had a few hot 
blushes and that's that's what it was. So yeah, I um, thought it was that. But you you were the first one that um brought that word perimenopausal to my attention. I'm like, oh, I'll remember that now, which you know yeah. I've never heard of of it before. But yeah. The, the, we are beginning to be more so educated, but you know, you will always be able to say that you were one of the the first ones in this this new kind of way well, of education. A fifty-something fairy tale. Once upon a rhyme time in a faraway land, lives a menopausal fairy with a pen in her hand. She used to dream of princes and running through the trees. Now she walks more slowly due to trouble with her knees. She danced upon a stage once, too-too twirling in the lights. Mostly her mind's dancing now when she cannot sleep at nights. She gained wisdom on her travels, kept the wolves outside the door, and a red cloak gives her confidence as she's learning to be more. She would still eat all the porridge, and along with it, more cake. But she thinks it's about balancing it with the long walks she can take. She searches for the freedom to sit quietly by the sea, and write about the creatures who have shaped what she can be. They leave their mark on pages of her stories and her verse. They can conjure up a good day, or can make a bad mood worse. For there's danger in this fairy tale, hidden monsters are her foes, as life's witches don't fly broomsticks, that's just how a story goes. Is there a happy ever after? Well, we all know that's not true, but she's writing her life wishes, and that's the best that she can do. Maybe I... Maybe I could, uh, I was starting to write about it and then I, because of that, I discovered what was already out there from lots of people. I mean, I think there's been a lot of cam people campaigning for, for many a year um, and just because I was then in, in that position myself and looking to go, am I going crazy? Oh no, this is something called this yeah. um, that I then found out about. Um, those kinds of campaigns that have existed. Um, it is obviously good once it's got to the stage now that it is being discussed by well-known like celebrities and that aren't afraid to say this is what they're going through. Yeah. Um, because it then allows the likes of us to just discuss it as well without yeah yeah well, you always need real people in a corner <laughs> yes <laughs> but you're you're a great i think you're a great advertisement for it karen because you know it's like oh i thought maybe when i get to that stage i'm going to have brain fog but obviously not or obviously it can be overcome in a sense because you know you certainly wouldn't have brain fog and then go ahead and, and write six books <laughs> Well, those are the days I don't write anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you are typically self-depreciating. But I think, it's, I think it's great that you have contributed to the conversation about the menopause. I know you're, you know, you're, you're eager to not like take all the praise, but it was just in, in the case of, of me, it was the first time that I'd heard that term, and I thought, you know, I'll, I'll remember that, that Karen's written a a book about that and and yet see again you have continued the theme uh, of educating so I guess once you're a teacher you're, you're always a teacher aren't you yes sadly <laughs> <laughs> 
so you become more of a fun teacher when when you don't have to do it. I think I think that's when anything that you don't have to do, you can find the the fun in it. So I, I loved the yeah yeah I loved the introduction that you did, and then there was the introduction that kind of explained you being a writer and how it came to be for you, and and that bits before we get into the the five parts, and that's really interesting again for anyone that's wanting. Um, to you know look for, for, for ways to, to start writing I guess because you know you talk about the themes and the fact that you are always thinking like a, a writer. Yeah that's just something I've really become aware of in the last sort of 18 months I'd say that I just I have this thing of I wonder what it would be like to be in somebody else's head that isn't a Oh well yeah that sounds like a novel, Karen. Another novel in the making. If you could, <laughs> you could get the rest of it together. Oh, I find myself looking at things and thinking, oh, that'd be a character, or that'd be a story. Do other people do this? Do other people just walk through their day and not have all these random thoughts swirling around? In yeah, yeah. It's, it, that, that's that's the other thing about poems because then. You get that sense. I was thinking something like that. You know, I loved the resonance. So, you know, I used to think of something like that. So, so yeah. Um, and as you said, I think we do think more similarly as, a, as you know, collective beings than, than, than we realise. But, <clears throat> you know, in terms of writing and places to write, I know that you, you love to walk in nature and, and write. And then you've got, like, a really funny... Um, poem about coffee corner, which is a uh, coffee shop, and and I, I really enjoyed that that was in in your book because that initially was like a, a tweet or it was something that that you tweeted out. So again, you you bring in that element, yeah. Coffee corner. There's a man sat in the corner. Looks like David Badil. The caffeine's slowly kicking in, so I'm not sure if he's real. I found myself staring and diverted my gaze, for staring at a stranger's wrong in oh so many ways. I came here for a coffee and to try to write some more, but I keep looking up to see if David's making for the door. He seems to have his head down and is scrolling on his phone. Should I say hello to him? He probably wants to be alone. I sip a little latte and wonder why he's here. I'm sure he doesn't live close by. I glance. He's coming near. Now it's me that's got my head down and I don't even know why. I doubt he will have noticed I've been trying to catch his eye. Is he working on his next book? Taking time out from his day. Stopped for a coffee in a corner before going on his way. I'd ask him for an autograph, but I'm not sure how he'd feel. Hang on. Wait a minute. No, that's not David Badil. A big thank you to the fantastic Karen Honor for being my special guest on today's show. You can check out Just Take Five right now on Amazon, along with all Karen's other work. Very 